0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. When we were asked to speak today, um, I was really, really hoping that God would lay one of the easy kind of verses or books on our hearts. Maybe give me like five loaves, two fish, the woman of two pennies, something easy, but he gave us hay guy today. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the Book of Haggai? Well,
1: we'll we'll dive into we'll it. We'll dive together. into it. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. If you don't, it's all good.
0: It's all good. <laughs> but I was, oh my, oh my gosh, we got to dive into this. So Sharon and I, um, we both just tackled it. Um, I mean, for the last couple of weeks, and uh, as we're preparing for this message, we really felt like um, we were going to do a little history dive into the Old Testament book this morning, and. Just before we get into the scripture, uh, we wanted to set the scene here and give you a little bit of context. So, Haggai is one of the smaller prophetic books. We know some of the larger prophetic books. There's, you know, Daniel and Isaiah. And um, the people of Israel were conquered by Babylon because they broke their covenant with God, again, through idolatry and injustice. When the Persian conqueror, Cyrus the Great, captured Babylon from King Nebuchadnezzar and took control of the land, he issued a decree that permitted all the Jews to go back to their homeland. So the book of Haggai was written 70 years after this exile and recounts the experience of a group of around 50,000 Israelites led by Joshua and Zerubbabel. Say that, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, who returned to rebuild uh, Jerusalem. So the prophet Haggai, man, I can't get comfortable here.
1: <laughs> I'm tall. I'm tall, but I'm like
0: also, yeah. Uh, Haggai's prophecy came at a time um, when the people of Judah were extremely vulnerable. So he recorded four messages to the Jewish people of Jerusalem in 520 BC, 18 years after the return from exile in Babylon. They had been humbled by their exile to Babylon hopeful in the return of the promised land, and then so discouraged by opposition in in the rebuilding of the temple that they quit. So just a little bit of recap. After King Nebuchadnezzar, they exiled out of Babylon, off to do their own thing, off to rebuild the temple, off to rebuild their lives. And um, they realized that it wasn't that easy. Right after they exiled. So they did it for two years. They had, um, after two years, they had quit. So when the Jewish people came to Jerusalem, they had quickly rebuilt the altar and began offering sacrifices. Then two years after they returned, they started construction on the temple, which was led by Zerubbabel. But the work stopped after those two years. Despite the glorious beginning, the Jews were filled with discouragement. And derailed by a lack of focus. They had been through a lot. And the reasons for stopping the work were pretty logical. If you take them all at face value. So into that scene, God raises up Haggai. And two months later, Zechariah to to proclaim his message to 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 the returned remnant people.
1: That was great. Yeah. Great setting this scene. Now we are going to read. I love reading. We're going to read a lot. Um, so bear with us. But this is the word of the Lord. And there is so much that we can learn from it and glean from it. So let's do it. Buckle up. Chapter one. So here we are. The book of Haggai, again, it was one of the minor prophets, only has two chapters. We're not going to read all of the second one, but let's get started. And I think it it might be up on the screen. So here we go. Chapter one. We're going to read out of the ESV version. If you did want to follow along in your own Bibles, you can, or you can follow along on the screen or just listen. So in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So we know these two men are leading, okay, the remnant. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, he didn't even say my people, these people, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's the title of our message today. Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land And the hills on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. He said, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. He stirred up the spirit and the stirring of the spirit, by that stirring, they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I was reading. It's very interesting that theres he's very specific with dates in this. Here we go. Chapter two. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes? So they're referring to, because some of the elders, some of the people had seen the house that Solomon had built years prior, and that was like, really glorious so some of them are now kind of having these shattered expectations okay so now so it's like now they finally did get to work but now they're like oh it's like nothing come on this is like nothing compared so so we're we're now at that point so he's saying but the Lord says even after all that even after he's like yeah 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 you you think this is nothing yet now be strong Oh, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work. He tells him to get to work. Work is holy. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens of the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. We did it. <laughs> give yourselves like a, woo. Um, so there's a lot of things to unpack here. One of the things that Tyler touched on was how they started. They started right when they came back. They were like, yep, we got to get to work. This is what we know. As good Jewish people, we got to do this. Like, this is what we got to do. And then after receiving opposition, They stopped. And I want to ask you, have you ever started something and then kind of hit some roadblocks or you're like, man, this is just not working out, okay? It's too hard. And you just throw the towel in. I have. I mean, we have. Even in Tyler's business, he literally had decided to go off on his own, start a business right before COVID. And he works in events, okay? So it's like, there was nothing happening, like, Like, he was, like, getting money back on his taxes because it was, like, nothing. Literally centered around social gatherings and events. And you're like, okay, God, seriously? Like, is it time? Is it time to throw in the towel? We we were researching other careers. I was looking at schooling. I'm going to send you back to school. We'll figure this out. Um, We thought for sure that his career was done. And we couldn't really see the way, you know, discouragement can come in if you've been through depression you know how hard it is to see your way out and we've been there and I am sure that many of us have have had those feelings or maybe you've just felt extremely overwhelmed when challenges come your way you can't just can't think through it you just want to stop the work And you know what? You've actually got pretty good logical reasons. If you're looking at it from face value, on the outside, it's all logical. Like it makes sense. But we have to consider, what does God say? Not what people say. not Not what culture says. Not what the rest of society is saying. What does God say?
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, the Jewish people um, at that time were experiencing hostility and threats from the local Gentiles, um, and th- that led a temporary ban on all the construction. The Jews were super apathetic to any desire to continue building um, the temple, and they just focused on establishing their own lives instead. Then they got caught up in all the routines of life, farming, farming, Building houses, raising families, all that sort of stuff. They started, um, they got used to life without the temple. Even their leaders, Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest, had gotten used to things as they once were. When Haggai prophesied, the foundation was laid and the altar was built. But was rebuilt, but the temple wasn't yet rebuilt. So when Haggai prophesied, the foundation was laid and the altar was rebuilt. Let's repeat, but the temple wasn't yet rebuilt. And God's people, the citizens of Jerusalem, told themselves that it wasn't yet time to resume work on the temple. Read that again. And God's people, the citizens of Jerusalem, told themselves that it wasn't yet time to resume work on the temple. They're leading the charge. And the reasons were pretty valid. Some of the reasons were the land was still desolate after 70 years of neglect. The work was really hard. They didn't have a lot of money or manpower. They suffered crop failures and drought. Their hostile enemies resisted their work and threatened them. And then in Ezra, um, it says actually that they remembered easier times in Babylon. They would have rather been in Babylon again than have to do it on their own. So many things were seemingly stacked up against them, but the people were saying this, not God. The people were saying all this, not God. The people made their excuses sound Spiritual, I know I've done this. Um, they knew they couldn't speak against the idea of building the temple, so they spoke against its timing. They knew the temple needed to exist, but the timing for it wasn't right for them. So instead they said, isn't it, isn't, it isn't God's timing to rebuild the temple. And God saw their excuses and their poor priorities and noticed that they were not living like his people, trusting in him and living by faith. In Haggai 1.5, the Lord says, consider your ways. The word consider is translated from the Hebrew word sum, S-O-O-M, which means to attend to and is used five times in the book of Haggai. In this case, the prophet was asking the Jews to carefully attend to or carefully assess their priorities the Hebrew figure of speech for this phrase is literally, put your heart on the way. And some translation wasn't put your heart on the road.
1: Yeah, and some it said, like literally, middle. is like put your heart on the roads. Basically, roads lead you in a certain direction, like stick your heart right out there on the road. <laughs> <and> decide. <laughs> is this the way you want to be going?
0: So yeah, Haggai, 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 I'm saying it right, right? <laughs> Sometimes it sounds weird. Hagai asked God's people to consider which direction their lives were heading. And if they really wanted it to continue that way, sometimes I feel a gentle prodding in my spirit and my stomach, like the COVID times, where I felt God asking me to consider how I was looking at things, to consider what direction my life was heading. And if I really wanted to continue that way,
1: yeah, that's good. And what's really neat about the book of Haggai is that when the prophet came and declared this message and was like, yes, this is what you need to do. They actually obeyed, like in a lot of a lot of the prophet books. It's... Yeah,
0: that's true. This is one of the only instances in the Bible that the people actually yeah, decided to change. They listened. But it's only two books long. So, two chapters, yeah. Oh, two chapters, right, sorry. Mm-hmm. guys, two, two chapters. And I mean, you have Daniel and you have like Isaiah and larger books. And I mean, what happened with Moses, with Abraham, mm-hmm. and these longer stories. And it only took a few paragraphs for Haggai to really get the point across.
1: Yeah, he was passionate, straight to the point, And the people listened and they considered their ways, which is pretty neat. Um, So there was nothing more important for the Jews than to show that the Lord was at the center of their thoughts and actions. So Haggai directed them, you know, this is what you need to do, guys. You need to rebuild the temple. You need to actually put God first, like, in what you're doing. And they acted in obedience. I remember there was one time several years ago when Tyler and I were in the thick of financial struggles. And... Tyler was actually asked to teach at one of our Bible college classes. Well,
0: this was—I mean, several years ago. I guess it's several years yeah. ago now, but it was like 2017. I remember the year. But it was—it was, it was right after um, I decided to leave that. Yeah. That business. Yeah.
1: Yep, and uh, I'm just sorry. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. Anyways, I remember it was a hard time, okay? And uh, Tyler was really having to push through, just in general, to even be obedient and and do that. I remember that, how he was struggling, especially when you're going through a hard time and you're like, man, I gotta now, like, (laughs) deliver the word of the Lord. It's like, I don't really feel like it, not feeling it today. Um, But he did, and he was obedient. I stayed home with the kids, so I had no idea, like, how it went, but I remember him coming home and he had such a different disposition. Um, And I was just really proud of him that despite his feelings, because our feelings, we can't be led by our feelings about things, you know, and so he he went through and God really helped him. And uh, at the time too, like I had said, we were really, we were struggling financially, but I don't even think he mentioned that. I think he was just more, saying we were struggling at the time.
0: Oh, I just kind of had left a job that yeah. that was paying very well. And I well, think I had just, and,
1: we were about to have another baby. We were, yeah, there's well, a lot oh, of things. Many things.
0: I decided to go for the job that didn't pay any money.
1: Yeah, because we felt like it's that's what the Lord wanted us to do. So that month, I do remember, we were short $957. And I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay this. This is like basic need stuff, not extra, The like mortgage and like food, okay? And uh, the next day, I remember we get this knock at our door and there's this dear couple from our church that was standing at our door. And they said, we really feel like God wants us to give you this $1,000. And like, Guys, we did not tell them. We did not say, we need $957. Like, we we had not done it in any way that was, like, begging or anything like that. And um, I had heard afterwards that Tyler had kind of shared about our struggles, not in a woe is me kind of way, but in just a humble, honest way. Like, we're a community. We're a body of believers. And it's like, if we can't even be honest— with where we're at. It's like, how are we going to help each other? Yes, we are led by the Spirit of the Lord, and that's what's amazing. We didn't actually need to say the amount. We didn't need to say this is the exact amount. The Spirit of God revealed that to the couple. But the couple was obedient. And we will never forget that generosity. And I believe that God, well, it's scriptural. He I believe you really did bless that family because of that. And, you know, there was no announcement. In fact, I think this is the first time we've ever even talked about it. Like, we didn't share it with anybody. And uh, I think there's that quiet obedience to the Holy Spirit that's really important. And I just think it's really beautiful. And I wanted to encourage you with that. Because in the process of facing those dark times... Our character, our character, Tyler and mine, was being forged. But guess what? So was theirs. Yeah. So no matter which side of the story you find yourself on, whether you're on the side of the story where you're the one that's struggling or you're in the one that's walking in God's abundance, that's right. God gives us the opportunity to be either a blessing or to be blessed. Proverbs 11.25 says, The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And this is, I don't know, it's just how incredible our God is. God is faithful and he's given us this community and each other for a purpose. And it's just through it all, no matter what side you find yourself on, God is working on the condition of our hearts and our attitudes and our character.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, we're to be living examples Pointing to Jesus, who is the true temple, foundation of our lives. In 1 Corinthians 3:10 through 17, Paul tells us as Christians to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is: Am I building a life that reflects my status as a temple of the Holy Spirit, leaving a legacy? that will stand the test of time. We can't just do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live this life following Jesus. We are born with a drive and an ambition in our souls. It's the part of us that wonders why we're here, what the point of life is, and whether we're doing it all right. We can try to fulfill that ambition by being the best at work, making a higher salary, or having the most beautiful home, but we'll never gain enough accolades or money to make our lives meaningful. We end up trading the Creator for His creation and its une- uneven exchange. Consider your ways. Everything we do revolves around an exchange. We exchange time for money. We exchange money for goods. We exchange goods for services rendered. And at the end of Romans 1, Paul talks a little bit about this type of exchange. And it says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. That's Romans 1.25. Paul saw people all around him worshipping their possessions or obsessions instead of God who gave them those things in the first place. Mm-hmm.
1: Proverbs 4:23 says it warns us to guard our hearts because that is where our worship starts. The Bible connects character issues to the most significant of all human functions, which is worship. What this passage is telling us is that our hearts always live under the rule of someone or something. And what rules your heart will actually shape and determine how you deal with situations, how you respond, and then how your relationships are like in your everyday life. So when we start to find ourselves drifting into the busyness of the routines or it's just like, no, I just got to focus on this. I just got to do that. And we forget about pursuing the heart of God and, and his kingdom, we have to check our hearts. I have to. All of us, like we're included. We have to consider how we're raising our kids. What direction are, with, are they going? What direction is our family going? And we have to consider that. We can't, if you don't consider it, something else will. Culture will. People around you will. And that's not what we're about. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we follow what God says.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, So I actually don't know if I've publicly talked about this. I've talked to friends a little bit, but um, I did work. So I'm a photographer by by trade. I don't know if anyone here doesn't know that yet. My wife's a teacher throughout the week. Um, as a photographer, I actually worked for a really great studio for about 11 years, just about 11 years. Um, and I was working really hard. It was like 90 to 110 hour weeks when it was really busy. Um, so like the, it's seasonal work, um, you know, six, six to nine months out of the year, it would be super saturated And then there would be like three to four months where it would be kind of like you could recoup and, you know, hibernate because you were so burnt out. (laughs) But um, I got, I was fine doing it when it was just Sharon and I. Like, and we could kind of focus on our marriage and, you know, I could focus on the church and I could play guitar and I play guitar as well. And, you know, I could serve in different ministries and, and it worked for a little bit because I had the time. But as soon as we started having kids, like priorities started to shift a little bit. And um, after Nolan, I realized that I barely got to, you know, be with him while I was growing up in the first couple of years. And then we had Miles. And so Miles is our, our eight-year-old and they were born about a couple years apart. And I had, a time, I had a chance to kind of really reflect and I felt this prodding. I felt this like, you need to recalibrate. You need to rethink. You need to consider what you're doing in this season, and um, I decided to make this, the change. Sit my my boss down, and he looked at me. I was I was making good money, um, really good money, and he looked at me. and He laughed. He actually laughed at me. <laughs> He's like, "What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you like? What are you thinking?" and I just looked at him and I said, I know I need to do this for my family. I know I need to, I need to um, have a much more flexible, you know, life, uh, work week. And I want to see my kids grow up. And so um, there was definitely making that decision and kind of following up. I had to give like two years notice in order to actually quit this job. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but it's, it's how you accept clients as a in, in this, this business. And yeah, I just wanted to just follow through and all that. So it was a long period. And during that period, you know, my income started to dwindle. So I didn't actually feel the hurt right away. It wasn't like all of a sudden I quit. And two weeks later, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? It just started to slowly kind of like go down and go down to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm homeless now. <laughs> like, I look at Sharon and I'm like, thank God Sharon has We a were not actually homeless. We were homeless, but I was just like, we weren't making, I wasn't making any money. Was not, yeah. I wasn't making any money and I found Costco and they have like these great Kirkland shirts and <laughs> and I buy packages of Kirkland shirts and I just like, I, I found out like how to spend money a little bit more wisely and I mean, it was a great season for me, but I um, I removed myself from that job. I was making great income, six-figure income, and I decided to, and I had this crazy tax debt, Um, so I wasn't a great steward of my finances. Let's just say that's another discussion for another day. Maybe that'll be a really good message, and you know, I can, maybe I can master being a steward of my finances. I'm not there just yet, Um, but I decided to tackle um, my tax debt, so this is me quitting my job. This is so backwards, so my boss, who I, I talk, he's like a good friend too. Um, so 11 years, and, you know, I worked my way up to the company to have, like, these these personal conversations, you know, with him. And I didn't just quit. I also needed to file for bankruptcy <laughs> because I had accrued so much crazy tax debt because, um, you know, of my my own, you know. It was a
1: previous business relationship that he'd had with...
0: Yeah, yeah. And, family and, and Regardless, Anyways, you know. There, we I was, learned a lot of
1: lessons, guys. So if you need to talk. Um, if you we need to talk, we can, to the, yeah, to <laughs> we can tell you what not to do. Yeah, what not to do.
0: We can tell you what not to do. But yeah, I, he, he laughed. He's just like, oh my God. So you're quitting and you have to file for Bain. So you're not going to have anything. I'm like, well, actually, and I'm laughing at him because I'm like, you don't understand. I have God in my corner. I have The wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's telling me to do. Counter to what everything else had been kind of screaming in my face. So I decided to, and it sounds crazy, it sounds backwards. But I decided to get my life in order to be present and to become a father and a husband. That was the priority that I felt on on my spirit. And so I listened I owned up to my responsibilities. I I removed my own understanding of how things were supposed to work out, and I decided to rely on God. I started my own business um, afterwards, so it's been like 2019, 2020, and again, did everything in an upside-down way. (laughs) We called on God. We prayed every day. Sharon would actually drive and just cry out to God. We would, you know, be on the phone and she'd just be crying out to God for His provision, knowing that we we needed to figure out a way to do this because I, I wanted to be present with my kids, and I had this kind of weirdly flexible job, and um, all of a sudden, I literally would start getting people calling me out of the blue. I had a lot of people that actually thought I just retired because I didn't. I wanted to leave the company that I was with and not like burn bridges, so. In my industry, like I'm not going like back channeling. I'm not going to people and saying I'm leaving. Like you know, I'd love for you to come on board. I would love for you to like come along. That's a that's a good way of kind of creating
1: we really a lot of to leave and with integrity, because we had seen a lot of people not leave that way. And so it's I, really yeah. was really important. It would have been to easy us. to do it that yes. way. It would have
0: been easy to back channel to like you know say I, I got you know. I Come work with me over here. over here
1: and forget about the, yeah.
0: Yeah, it would have been really easy because I had a lot of people that loved working with me. But, um, and I loved working with uh, a lot of the people in that industry. But I literally get people calling me out of the blue that hadn't talked to me in maybe like five, seven years and just been like, you just came to my mind. Are you still a photographer? And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, I'm still a photographer. And the reason they're asking me that question is because I really felt, and this sounds so counterintuitive and kind counter- of, I really felt like I wasn't supposed to have a website. That sounds ridiculous. And I understand anyone who's a marketer, anyone who like runs any sort of consulting or business, you just know that that's like the absolute backwards way of looking at everything. Um, however, I was deciding that I wanted to purely rely on God and rely on his network and how he was, he was leading, you know, people. So I would literally get calls randomly, randomly calls. And well, is, it
1: wasn't random. We do know, obviously, God was orchestrating it, but yeah, it was like it was out of the blue and made no sense.
0: And there would be like a, there would be a call, and it would just be this, you know, a planner or someone. So I work with a lot of planners as, as a, as a photographer and as a vendor for, for weddings and events. And she'd be like, listen, I thought of you, and I only thought of you. I'm not actually introducing this couple to anybody else. And I, I know that you are right for, for them. And I'd sit in front of them, and I'd wonder why I'm there. <laughs> and, you know, we'd start talking, and it just became really obvious that there was a lot of kindredness and... Um, it was, it was pretty neat to see how God kind of brought those relationships. But I found, I found, actually, that my secret weapon was the prayer, definitely, in the mornings with my wife, yes. but also the tithing. So I would, I would kind of skip out on tithes, like, over the last 20 years. Um, you know, every so often, you know, if it didn't really work out or wasn't convenient or if it was, you know, I could kind of do a lump sum here, lump sum, then you would forget, or however, you know, I wanted to kind of rationalize it. Um, I, would, I would tithe when I wanted to. That was what it came down to. And now I found, and that was when I had money to do that. Okay, now I have no money. <laughs> while we have Sharon's income, but I, I'm like, I'm a broken vessel at this point. Like, I, I think that I... Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty torn here. Humbled. Yeah, I'm humbled. Humble. I'm humbled, and <laughs> I'm wearing Kirkland shirts. He really does like By the, the way, they
1: discontinued they,
0: they, they changed the fabric really of the that. Kirkland. I don't know if you guys are familiar. These shirts are They're so fantastic. They're long for
1: tall people. Anyways, continue yeah. on. Okay. Continue on.
0: Anyways, um, every time I would tithe, I tithed out of the brokenness. That And the emptiness and looking at my bank account, I actually have a screenshot of my bank account that said it was like negative, negative, it had like a little bit of, I don't even think I had overdraft attached to that account. So it was like bad. It was like negative $4.68 or something. And I said, this is where you've been. And I have that. It's not like, you know, in my office printed somewhere, but it's like, it's it's there in um, in my computer. I can look at it and just recognize that this is where God came through because in my brokenness, not having any money, this is when I decided to tithe <laughs> because that's like, this is when I'm going to put God to the test because I, I grown up in a family that tithed. I grown up in hearing about tithing and, and recognizing the importance of tithing and, You know, all that, but I had never really, really put it to the test for my own. And I was kind of nervous, scared. But now I had nothing to lose. I had my boss laughing at me, you know, I was laughing back at him. I was like, this is a good time to kind of spite the universe. (laughs) So now I'm I'm tithing, and by faith, I trusted God for my family, and I would literally see multiple inquiries. I don't have a website, okay? Don't have a website. I had multiple inquiries that would come in daily into my business, and it was so much. It was so much blessing that I actually had to get to the point that I was turning people down. I was overflowing with work. People in the industry would look at me and go, how do you not even have a website? <laughs> not that it makes logical sense, but God has provided for my family like this over and over again.
1: Yeah, so if you find yourself in a place of financial struggle, like we just want to, we understand. We understand what that's like. We understand what it's, it's like to go through that. And I mean, along that whole way, we, we were also, we had raising a young family. Like we have three boys and now we're going to have twins. <laughs> um, okay. And it's just like, God, we know he's going to provide Um, The Christian walk, this one that we walk, is not always going to be one of ease. Um, Throughout Scripture, we see many stories of struggle. We see many storms that are faced. We see Jesus like in the storm while you're struggling. And uh, Scripture does state that we will go through trials. There There will be hard times. But it also says that precious endurance and character is formed through it all. And God cares far more about the condition of our hearts That's right. than anything else. And we have to remember who the Lord is. We have to be reminded, like we sang this morning, about God's holiness. And we have to come back to a healthy respect and honor for the Lord. The phrase in Haggai, the Lord of hosts, is frequently used in, in prophetic, the prophetic books. And here in Haggai, the phrase demonstrates God's power as a supreme warrior who has complete control over all human affairs. The God that we serve is an all-powerful God. He is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he is everywhere present. And I myself need to be reminded of that. God's omnipotence is this is that he has complete and total control over everything. This includes the smallest details, the smallest things in the natural world, like scripture says about the falling of a sparrow or the number of hairs on your head. Do you want to know how many hairs I lose? Like every time I brush, you have a lot of hair. I get a lot of hair. He knows. Even the events that, you know, we're talking about randomly out of the blue. It's not random. It's not by chance. That's, it's orchestrated by God, and that not only includes the small things, but the big things, which are, after all, just an accumulation of all the small things. God rules not only the important events in human history, but also the lives of us as individuals. He knit us together in our mother's wombs, and I'm reading just about the formation of, like, a baby to my kids so they understand it. It's just like it's mind-blowing. It's miraculous. He decides whether we're actually going to travel or stay home. We think we decide that. But it does talk about that in James. We, we actually have no idea what tomorrow is going to hold. So yes, we can go ahead and we can make plans. But ultimately, the Lord decides whether those go ahead or whether they don't. Ultimately. His Power is universal. It controls everything in the universe. God's omniscience, God's power is not a blind power. Everything He does has an intelligent purpose, a definite goal. And His power is universal, and so is His knowledge in knowing His own intentions. God knows it all. He knows all the detailed happenings on the earth, in our lives. He is the ultimate standard of what is true and what is false. Not only does God know what is true, but He is the very nature of truth. Truth is who He is. God's knowledge is a precious blessing to us as His people. Psalm 139 emphasizes how deeply God knows us wherever we are. God's knowledge of us pursues us wherever we might go. You can't escape it. To the grave, to great distances, to dark places, to heaven. He knew us when we were being formed. And he knew even back then, every day of our lifetime on earth. And God is omnipresent. His presence is every place. To say that God is present is to say he's he's really with us. He's not absent. He knows what you're going through, and he's just asking for you to call upon him, to invite him in, and to welcome him into that area of your life. His omnipresence is both in place and in time. Psalm 139 tells us that God is present in every place. He's the creator of the heaven and the earth, and he's in every location. He's the creator of time, the one without beginning or end. He entered humanity through Jesus where he died and he rose again to save us from our sins.
0: God comes to his faithful people and declares to them, I will be with you. This means that God is here wherever we are, but also that God is on our side. He is with us not to destroy us, but to forgive and to save us from sin. The word God declares multiple times in Haggai, he says, now be strong, be strong. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, I will give you peace. Every exposure of the heart is grace. Every conversation is a blessing. How amazing is God's love that he would care about one moment in one family like ours, in one house, somewhere on earth, so that our hearts would be exposed, truth spoken and rescue provided. If he did it just one time, it would be an incredible miracle of grace. But he does it again and again and again and again in millions of homes every single day. And we just want to leave you today with that phrase, consider your ways. I'm not telling people <laughs> to, to go off and delete their website. I'm not saying that you don't need a website. It's not anything about that. My, the Holy Spirit in me said to me, consider this. Consider that I have something else for you. He was testing my obedience. He was wanting to see if I would listen and if I would execute what was on my heart. It wasn't necessarily about like that was like sheer wisdom, like not marketing yourself the right way and like all that stuff. But I was frustrated spiritually. I was frustrated as a husband, as a father, Business. there was a lot of things and there was ways to go about it that would have torn something apart. And instead of tearing something apart, I stood, I considered my ways and I was obedient to what God had called me to do. We asked, we cried out, we asked, what do you have in store for us? What is it that I'm supposed to do with my hands today? What am I supposed to do? We considered our ways. Um, That's good. It says, Set your heart upon the way and ask God to reveal to you the direction that you're headed. Yeah. And where He wants to direct you. He will faithfully lead you. He will see you through, He will financially see you
1: through. Yeah. That's right. And the path that each of us is on is going to look different. But that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit leading you. Yeah. And we just want to encourage you that when you pray, when you call on God and ask Him for direction, He will show you. Scripture says He He hears your prayers. He will answer you. It might not look like the answer that you're maybe hoping. We're not God. but he will show you the way. And we loved this, this scripture in Haggai because we feel like it was a, it's our story. And I know there's so many different stories in this room today, but God knows every single part of your story and he is intelligently weaving it together. And he loves you. So we're going to pray right now. If you want to join with me. Father God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for leading us and guiding us in every single area of our lives. We submit our minds to you this morning and our hearts. We set our heart on the roads. And we're asking for you to help examine it right now. Show us what direction we're heading, what direction you want us to be heading in. And Holy Spirit, strengthen every single believer in this room today to listen and obey your leading. We thank you for being such a gracious, faithful father. we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening.
0: To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.